We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast, along with Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank, live studio audience of No Joe privacy Manning, curtain today, I noticed. Stan Chase. They took, our, they, took our, they took our privacy curtain away from us. I like coming. I could hide back here. People are like, is anyone down here? Nope. You, you know, the next the step curtain. is we need a podcast studio. Uh, Barnhart, get on it. Let's get it. Yeah, the tens of thousands of people that are listening now, yes. the numbers that are rolling in, the Blowing sponsorships up. that are rolling in. Yep. We need a glass podcast studio somewhere in the heart of campus. <laughs> That'd be great. Right? Preferably. 360-degree glass windows. Yeah, down by, like, say, the, the one university store. Yeah. You know, just go down there. Put us. Don't they have a radio station down there anyway? I think they there do. There is one there. Why don't we do the podcast there? There we go. Uh, from here, here to four. That is our podcast location. Uh, Lincoln Riley Presser just wrapped up. If you missed it, it'll be tagged on to the end of this podcast. And uh, again, it's it's it sounds so crazy to say, but you're having to defend a team that's nine and one is what today seemed to come across with some of the questions. And I get it. I mean, I understand it. Whenever you have a committee that talks about wanting complete teams, but I think Lincoln Riley has the ultimate end game there. Hey, we're nine and one on the season right now. It. Uh... I don't know how to put it into words. It is really, really bizarre what Sooner fans feel. Um, you know, the last few years now, this is extended. Really from the Baker era through Kyler now, you've got a great offense. You're winning Big 12 championships. You've gone to two of the last three college football playoffs and have a chance to do it again. 
But there is a frustration that in this tremendous era of offense, the defense hasn't been better. Because if it had been better, maybe they win the national championship last year. You know, and the feeling is maybe the same this year. Maybe they'd have a better shot at it. So I think the frustration is is legitimate. I know it is. I mean, the, this is a place where the Selmans played and Bosworth played and Teddy and Rocky played and Roy Williams and on and on and on. They've had great, great, great defenses at Oklahoma through the years. And when you see teams go up and down the field on them and score with relative ease at times, it's frustrating. It's maddening. It's um, – and and – I don't blame anyone for being upset. And yet, the fact still does remain simultaneously that they are 9-1 and one and in a sh- with a legitimate chance to play for, win a Big 12 title, and potentially they still need a thing or two to go their way, and it's not happening as quickly this year as it has in the past, but they have a chance to go to a college football playoff. So um, I get it on all sides. Fans have a right to be frustrated. I'm I'm frustrated. Coaches have a right, or Lincoln Riley has a right to say, "Hey, but we're winning the game." Right. You, they are winning the game, and I thought it was some interesting what he brought up at the presser that you'll hear here in a little bit about. You know, last year we gave up a bunch of points to Oklahoma State, and we were perhaps one play away from playing for the national championship. And I start I hadn't thought of that. I thought, well, that's right. They gave up 52 points. And I looked it up. They gave up uh, more yards. We gave up more yards and more points last year to Oklahoma State than they did this year. And they ended up in a semifinal game that argue, arguably they should have won. So w- what is the point to that? I, I don't know. I kind of I looked up the season stats. I saw that. You got it on Twitter right now, at Tira OU. Yeah, they're, they're averaging, what is it, four more points a game this year than last year. Yep. OU is. Yep. Uh, the yardage is almost identical to last year. On Five five seventy nine point six last year. Five seventy seven point one this year. You mentioned the the points forty five per game last year. This is offense uh, forty nine okay. per game this year. So a little bit better offensively, and they are a little bit worse defensively this year. They're giving up what is it like two two and a half more points a game. Twenty seven point one last year. Twenty nine point eight this year. And about 20 more yards a game this year. Is that right? Uh, 394.9 last year to 416. <laughs> okay. So tw- 22, 22 more yards yeah. a game. So, but, you know, the general point is they're really similar. So I don't know what to make of that, but that set of stats got them into the playoff last year and they darn near won the thing. Right. I th- and I don't know if it will this year. Because if it is, if it does come out to any kind of a beauty contest, the the committee's not going to like their defense. They're just not. No. So they need some things to happen uh, for them to get in. And I think the other difference is Alabama looks virtually unbeatable this year. And I'm not sure we, even though they won the title last year, I don't think we thought that about them last year. Not quite as strongly, anyway. So, all that being said. Fans are frustrated. They won the game, and they're glad they won the game, but they're frustrated the defense isn't better, and that makes complete and perfect sense because they should be. Tonight is going to be, I think, as fascinating of a night for the rankings as as we've seen. Now, if you're listening to this in the future, if you are downloading this and finally getting to it on a Wednesday and a Thursday, then either you have exhaled or your outrage is ratcheted up. Just a little bit. So, whenever you're in, out in of what Rudy's, way, you th- uh, like, what do you think could happen? Somebody jump OU? Yes. 
But then again, though, too, I'm a paranoid fan. I feel that way every single week. And I here I was talking about this with TJ Perry this morning, your partner on your radio show. To me, and maybe I'm making too much of it. I'm not involved in ratings here. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't care less if you watch or not. But I kind of think it'll Kirby Hokett made the comment what two years ago whenever OU was left out and again they lost two games and they were right on the edge about a complete team. Mm-hmm. And I think that has kind of carried over for a couple of years. I'll be curious to see if they're made to pay for their defensive performance tonight. That, that That's the only thing. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to me. Well, because to me, I don't think the top eight or nine or ten should really change all that much. I guess that what could happen is Washington State could jump them. Maybe, maybe West Virginia. Maybe West Virginia. But if West Virginia jumped them, I don't care. We play them. You know, that, That's fine. Right. Uh, it's hard for me to see LSU jumping them because they do have the two losses. If LSU jumps them, then I'm probably going to lose my mind. <laughs> I'm probably going but, to lose it. Uh, you know, the only one of those that would really potentially matter would be Washington State. Right. Exactly. And um, and they beat Colorado, who's now lost five straight after starting five and zero. Oh. Yeah, I I think that what Oklahoma has in front of them, in order to run the table, okay. Let's think this through the finish line. I love it. In order to run the table, what they are going to have to do is beat some quality teams. You know, maybe one of those top 10 teams twice, West Virginia, if that is who they were to play again. Or maybe a West Virginia and an Iowa State who has now garnered more respect and certainly would garner even more if they were to beat Texas on the road and earn their way into that game. So they're going to have to. Uh, play two quality teams to get there. And and to win those games, they're going to have to play better defense. They're not beating West Virginia at Morgantown unless they can play some better defense. So I think if OU is a 12-1 conference champion, and that's a big if, but if they are a 12-1 conference champion, in order to get to that point, they're going to have to – their beauty points will look better than they do right now because they're not getting to that point unless they do. Does that make sense? Completely. Complete and total. By the way, in the Big 12 this weekend, beyond our game against Kansas, which is a 6.30 kick, we'll be on the air with a 4.30 pregame on the Sooner Radio Network, Soonersports.com slash radio to find an affiliate near you. You have two games that have Big 12 title game implications. you got Iowa State at Texas on the Longhorn Network at 7 o'clock. And you have West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Mm. Now, if the the Taylor Cornelius – that was in Norman on Saturday night shows up. I mean, he was throwing I, – I, I get it. I, anytime you give credit, there's always someone that's going to fire back and say something about the defense. But he was throwing some dimes on Saturday night. He it was insane. He, he threw some terrible passes, yes. too. <laughs> including the, some guys, Including yes. the two-point conversion. Did and then bounced. he had some guys where he had uh, – some passes where he had guys in his face – and he fit it into triple coverage, and you're like, holy cow. How did that happen? I, I think OSU is one of the most perplexing teams in the country Amen. this year. You know, they're not bowl eligible yet. And they've got West Virginia, a very losable game, and mm-hmm. on the road at TCU, yes. who might be playing for bowl eligibility. There's no guarantee that Oklahoma State's going to a bowl game this year. And yet, at times, they've looked great. They look great against Texas. They look great against Boise State. They look great, I thought, most of the game against Oklahoma on Saturday, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. And they've had games that they have looked terrible. 
uh, Kansas State, Texas Tech. So I have no idea. I mean, I West Virginia has been more Jekyll than Hyde, whichever one of those yeah. is good, but they've been a little perplexing at times as well with how they played in, in Ames. So that'll be a, a very interesting game, a, certainly a tough road test for West Virginia, and, and that Iowa State-Texas game will be playing simultaneous to ours Saturday night with uh, – that's an elimination game virtually. Yeah. You know, the loser of that has no shot, I don't think, of getting to Arlington. And the winner is in a pretty good shape. They just got to sit back and watch OU West Virginia. Let's say Oklahoma wins its next two games, finishes 11-1. and one. Do you have a preference as to who you would want to see in the Big 12 championship game? Um, I guess my answer is no. I, I think the most entertaining matchup is OU Texas because of the – you know, the magnitude of the, and the history of those two schools. But I'm not sure that this year that does OU the most good. A, a few weeks ago I did. Right. A few weeks ago we all thought OU-Texas is the best possible matchup. I think the country is kind of, especially if they win Saturday, West Virginia, I think the country's kind of come around on West Virginia and Agreed. holds them in pretty high regard right now. You know, they're top ten in the BCS, and or BCS, in the college football <laughs> playoff rankings. If they beat OSU on the road Saturday, you know, if they don't jump OU this week, there's a really good chance that they could next week if they beat OSU on the road because OU's got a home game against Kansas, and that's not going to wow anybody, which might not be the worst thing in the world, to be honest with you. Right. West Virginia jumps OU the week OU's going to go play them. That might be add a little fuel to the fire. But probably that is the is the right answer is West Virginia. Uh, I don't know though. I mean, I don't. The name Iowa State doesn't grab people, but the resume and having to play those guys again wouldn't. I'm not giving you a very good answer. I love it though. No, I'm not disagree. I, I think I don't looks, know. That's why I'm asking you because I can't figure it out. I like Texas from the sizzle perspective, but it might be best to have a rematch with West Virginia. I well, I think what does you the most good is West Virginia twice if you win them. Right. Exactly. But. It is a potential for an, a bit of an embarrassment there for the Big 12 if the two teams wipe each other out in back-to-back yep. -back weeks. So um, I, I don't I don't know what's best. I think you just kind of uh, – I think the Iowa State story is a great story. I find myself, when we're not playing them, rooting for them <laughs> because, you know, they're in Ames and everybody has, has thought – so lowly of them for so many years for them to up and contend in the conference out of nowhere under Matt Campbell now and have a legitimate shot to go to a Big 12 championship game is a great story it's a great story so part of me would would be think it's pretty cool if they could make it to the game and gotta... sign me up for an OU Texas rematch oh, yeah. uh, uh, that's the team that beat us this year so I think it would be fantastic to get another shot at those guys I know you got to go I know we haven't talked a lot about Kansas but let me ask it from this perspective a very unique senior night in that you don't have a ton. I mean, this sounds crazy. You don't have a ton of seniors on the 2D. You have about five, maybe six total. Now, granted, that's two starters on the offensive line and Ben Powers and Drew Samia. There's Carson Meyer, who is a senior. Austin Seibert, and then only two defensive players on the 2D that are seniors. I didn't realize that. Hmm. But you could be watching for the last time, I mean, Kyler Murray in an OU uniform, potentially both tackles yeah. with the NFL. Marquise Brown has an opportunity. He's already projected as a first-round pick. Some are saying that a guy like a Amani Bledsoe, because, yeah, think about it, he's lost a little time, could end up being someone that might try his hand at the NFL draft. So 
again, you're looking at six seniors on the two deep and more obviously on the roster, but a very unique senior day because you just don't know what this roster might look like next year. Yeah, I think that I think that's has been and, and will become maybe a little more the norm than the exception at, at a place like Amen. Oklahoma. Yep. With the talent that you bring in, that's a good thing, man. I mean, Absolutely. we don't want to lose guys early because we like rooting for them, but at the same time, you want your school to become an NFL factory. And we've seen a whole lot of guys exit early for the NFL draft. You know, Rodney Anderson's already declared if you want to add him to that list. Thank you. Great ad. Uh, In recent years in football and basketball. Um, And it it hurts. But at the same time, that's, that's what you want to go tell guys when you're in their living room, come here and we're going to put you in the NFL. So uh, you're right. There's going to be a handful of guys recognized as seniors, but there's going to be unrecognized, potentially, potentially, we don't know what they're thinking, potentially many more who will be playing their final game on Owen Field. Before I let you go, fist bump or handshake? What did you finally decide? I haven't made a decision yet. I, I would be open to your advice. I had a exceedingly high number of awkward interactions this weekend where I would reach a hand out and somebody would fist bump me or I, or the vice versa. So I threw it out there on Twitter. I'm ready to declare this is what I'm going to be going forward. And I think at my age, the advanced age of 45, I think I'm supposed to be a handshake guy. And that's right. what the poll decided. Right. Yep. It's a more mature thing to do is to be a handshake guy. The problem is we interact with a whole lot of people younger than us right. on a regular basis. And I think they're fist bump people. So let's say I'm walking up to a 19-year-old baseball player and I'm going to greet him. He's going fist bump. I'm going handshake. So it's a real – you know what? We, re- we really need an executive order or right. something to come down from up top as a nation to declare what we're going to do here when it comes to male greetings. There is nothing worse. It's a big problem whenever, in our society. Whenever someone puts the fist out and you go and grab with the hand, it's the most awkward thing on the planet. You also have to consider uh, germs to some extent. Very true. Especially with as much – interaction as we have very in true. flu season that we're in right now so i chris i don't i haven't made up my mind yet this shall continue at t row ou on twitter have a great day toby we'll uh, talk to you fist bump fist bump <laughs> lincoln riley is now uh, exciting week for us here coming up uh one of the first goals that we set out you know for this team was to make sure that we took care of business at home uh and and we're able to have a chance to win every game at home we with all the good things that we did the la- you know last year, that was one of the things that we didn't get done. You know, we dropped one here, and uh, it's very, very important to us. You know, going here into this this final home game here against Kansas, uh, that we, you know, that we that we accomplished that. You know, we've had to win some tough ones here, including the one uh, last week, and uh, so that's a, a big point of emphasis. And obviously, too, with it being this team's last time in the stadium, a lot of these seniors. Last game here uh, on on Owen Field. It's just very, very, very important to us to finish this thing off the right way. And and you know we know that we've got a lot of lot of goals in front of us, uh, all of which are still you know right there at the doorstep for us. Uh, obvious uh, improvements that have got to be made. That we're excited about taking some of those steps this week. But that's that's really our main focus right now is is playing our best against Kansas, correcting some of the mistakes that we need to correct and having a great last showing here uh, in Norman. Uh, so uh, injury-wise, looking uh, looking fairly positive, I would say, from the game the other day. Um, I haven't seen the guys yet, but I think I don't think anything 
too serious or as of note right now. So I think you know positives in that respect. And and uh, team's good. They're excited. Excited about the position we're in. A lot of teams right now love to be nine and one with every single goal in front of them, like this team has. So looking forward to this week. This will be a big step, and we need to go play well against Kansas. Lincoln, uh, national signing dates a little bit more than a month away. Do you want to have your new defensive coordinator here by then? And is it important to, for the recruits to know who it's going to be? Uh, we'll see how that all plays out. You know, I haven't made any decisions on what we're going to do there or not. Uh, my focus was after we made the change that we were going to get through this back half of the season and see where we're at. I don't know that. I don't know what we'll do. I don't. I wouldn't commit that we're going to bring in anybody different right now or not. Uh, it's right now. It's one week at a time and trying to win a championship right now. You know, Lincoln. It's easy to look at the back end when a cornerback gets burned or something like that. But are you getting the pass rush that you really think you can get out of this group yet? It's been good. Uh, I think it can get better. Um, thought there was a few times the other night where where we could have been better and a couple of times that we did get there that the guy just made some some outstanding plays too and so uh no it's it's it, it takes all 11 there's no doubt great pass rush helps coverage great coverage helps pass rush and so uh you know we're looking at the mistakes that we made the other night as a whole a lot of them again you know we or the fans you know people on tv they see the one guy that gives up a play but they don't realize the the impact of the other 10 as well so certainly the mistakes that we made, we could all be better, and there were some obviously some critical plays where we all were good and we made the plays. Um, Lincoln, Bob used to talk all the time about complimentary football. Um, you, I thought Saturday was a real example of uh, the antithesis of that, where the offense does one thing and the defense is doing something else, or vice versa. How close are you guys to playing what you would consider complimentary football? I don't think far off. I mean, it's the the margins are slim there. You know, there were so many times where we were extremely close to doing it, you know, whether we, you know, have a chance to separate offensively, get a drive going, and then had a penalty or stall out. Uh, several times defensively, we were getting ready to get a stop, get them to a third and long, getting ready to get it back. We've been moving the ball all well. You think you're going to separate, and, and, and then we give up a big play on third and long. So I don't think we're far away. And, the you know, the one positive, not the one positive, one of the many positives I would say is, the time in the game that we played the best complimentary football was at the end, you know, and, and uh, when it mattered the most. So uh, it's, it's a thin line, especially against good football teams. So, you know, we know we're capable of separating on people, and obviously we want to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, we want to win, and uh, we're doing that right now. Yeah, again, you said you're close, but it sure seems like, unless you're playing Kansas State or TCU, the two worst offenses in the league, that the defense is pretty much in disarray. Does, do you just need a new culture totally? Just new schemes, new players, new coaches, new everything, just sort of start over on defense in the offseason. I'm not talking about now, but in the offseason. Uh, it's kind of the same answer I had before. I I don't know. Being 9-1 is disarray, then that's, you know, would define it what it is. Uh, defenses have had, our defense has had a hand in winning all the nine games that we've had this year. Uh, are there areas that that we need to improve, yes. I'm not. I'm not looking the other way. But at the same time, we got a team that's very capable of winning a championship right now. So our focus right now is getting better and putting ourselves in position to do that, which we've done up to this point this season. One of the problems is, you know, every defense in the Big 12 struggles because of the offense. But 
up until the recent past, you guys were not really a great defense compared to nationally. Now you're you're dropping to the bottom of the Big 12 in terms of numbers and and how how often you stop the other team. Is that a concern that you know that even even just going against Big 12 standards, you're falling? It's a lot of factors that go into that. You know, by Big 12 standards, we're winning a bunch of games, so I know that. So you can. You could put all those stats ever which way you want. Go look up the Big 12 records in the last four years of teams and you know, tell me which one you would rather be. It's been four, uh, four games now. <coughs> what have you seen from Bob Diaco and what have you seen in terms of the development of outside backers <clears throat> with him leading the charge? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a moving target. You know, we played with, with Ryan. Uh, we played really with three different guys there. You know, we played with, with Ryan Jones. We've, we've used Mark Jackson and obviously used Caleb some the other day. So uh, I think for us, it's been trying to kind of settle in on what lineup we want to use. You know, Bob has been a positive influence. There's no question about it. I mean, he's, you know, I've spoke at length about, you know, how qualified he is, the energy he brings. He's a great voice in the room, which he was before, even in his previous role. So that group's working together. Uh, they are. They're, you know, what you charge a group like that to do when you make as significant a change as we did midseason is not, is not easy, and you're not going to correct everything overnight. I think we all, you know, we all knew that. And, uh, but I think those guys are working together well. We're not – not happy with how we played last Saturday by by any stretch. We got to play better, but we are playing really good. It's a big moments, and you know those of us in those walls, we we see the makings of being what we want to be. We we can, and we're not that far off. And uh, we're going to push like hell to get there. Bob's a big part of that. Yeah, you guys only had two active running backs last week. Uh, what is TJ Pledger's status with his hip, and any chance he can go this week? <clears throat> Yeah, he's, I would say questionable for this week. You know, it's just gonna, it's not a long-term deal, but we've just got to see how he responds to, to treatment. Had a few days off there towards the end of the week after he got dinged up. So, you know, we're counting on, you know, that buying us a little bit of time and, and certainly hopeful that he'll be ready this week. Lincoln, sort of along those lines, you only have two scholarship running backs. TJ's not available. One scholar, one center there with Creed. What would you do behind those two at those positions? And how early do you start thinking about emergency plans when you get into situations like this where your depth disappears? Yeah, no, you always think about it, you know, uh, especially at center, just because, you know, you can, and I'm not, I'll preface this by saying I'm not going to say what our plans will be just for schematic advantages, um, but uh, <clears throat> especially at center, you got to be ready because it's not like you can, I mean, you can, you can go grab, you know, a skill guy and teach him, you know, handing the ball a few times and do some things back there. Not that it's going to be perfect, but I mean, you see, like, you know, like the way the Patriots are using the Corderell Patterson right now, I and mean, you can, you can get by with that. You can't just go teach a guy to snap overnight. I mean, and and play that position and do all we do. So, we've had some emergency plans in place. Like I said, this was, and I'm glad we did. Even though this year we felt like the center depth coming in was probably the best we've ever had it, where you got. Creed, of course, and then you had Alvarez who started, played a lot of games here, and you had Alex Dalton who's played a lot of ball around here too. So we we felt really strong going in, but things happen. This has kind of been a, a funny year with those kind of injuries for us, and, and uh, you got to be able to adjust. And so we've got a plan ready to go if, if need be. Seems like an offense, the only people stopping you are yourselves with 
penalties? How do you correct that? We did a much better job the other night. Um, I thought our penalties were pretty good. We didn't have anything after the play. Uh, we had we had one false start. Bobby had a hold that he definitely held on. It was the right call. Uh, Cody had a hold that was a you know that, that wasn't the right call. Um, I think that was the only penalties we had. Maybe off the top of my head. Oh, we had some delay games. Yeah, which were on me. So yeah, we there's some uh, there's some little things we got to do. You know, getting the plays in faster at times. Uh, but I thought our guys, as far as how we executed with penalties, was better. But I would agree with you. We there's still a few too many times that we shoot ourselves in the foot. That uh, you know, there, there's still a lot of room for improvement. Certainly on that side of the ball right now. Uh, when he arrived in 2015, Carson Meyer was a redshirt freshman. What did you see out of Carson when you first got here, and then how much has he really progressed to what he's been for you this year? Yeah, he's progressed as much as anybody we've had. Uh, all those reps through all the years behind the scenes with Dimitri taking most of them in games have added up. And then I do think there's a little bit with him of, you know, sometimes guys, you see him, you get to that senior year, and they haven't. Maybe they hadn't had a huge role on the team before, and they get that opportunity, and they, they gain some confidence, and they get as invested as they've ever been, and they play some of the best ball of their lives, and uh, and that's what he's doing right now. I mean, he's he's blocked really well. He's mentally come a long ways because that's a very demanding position mentally with all we put on those guys. And then I would say the big bonus has been is how much of a threat he's become in the receiving game. I mean, he's been a he's made some game changing plays for us there. Coach, uh, your rushing offense has really started to find its groove over the last month, uh, especially after Rodney Anderson's injury. And now, with Marquise nicked up the last couple weeks, you saw CeeDee Lamb break out against him <coughs> State, and then Lee Morris against Texas Tech. How nice of a luxury is it knowing that your offense can keep rolling without arguably the best players at those skill positions? And what do you attribute to that success? Uh, no, it's it's great. We've had a lot of guys step up. You, you know, times when you need it, you go through years. You know, we had a year. Last year we didn't have many guys get get banged up. You know this year's been a little bit different, and uh, like they all are. And you know, you lose a guy here or there, nobody's going to feel sorry for you, especially not here. And so you got to keep rolling. I would say I would attribute to just the the expectations of that group, um, and then how well we've played up front. I mean, those have been the those have been the keys. And and when we have had an injury or something not go away, our guys have, you know continue to kind of trek on they haven't they haven't let it bother them and that's that's what you got to do it's truly next man up you guys have to answer these defensive questions a lot you know since October and you have a guy in Curtis Bolton who essentially has kind of become the spokesman for your defense in a lot of ways how important is it do you think to have a guy like that that can sort of speak to the issues the defense is having but then maybe also stand up for it too at times when he feels that's necessary? Um, and you have to have leaders, you know, and you have to have guys that that truly understand the entire situation, uh, understand what you're doing well, and also have a realization for the things that you have to do better. And, you know, I'm, you, know you, can't, you can't hide behind some of the mistakes that we've made, but you also the flip side of that is there is, again, there, there's the makings of a championship caliber defense in that room. Uh, and you see bits and pieces on the field. Um, you know, it's part of the reason we made the change in the, you know, in the first place halfway through is we felt like there was a little bit more in there and we needed to find a way to get it out. So, 
you know, we'll look back again. Right now, we're in the middle of it. You know, I think everybody's wanting to look back and, well, since the change, you know, what's been positive, what's been negative. There's been plenty of both, um, but the success uh, or or non-success of it's going to be determined when this season's over, not right now. I mean, we're in the middle of it. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a championship hunt, race. Um, you do need leaders that can help push you through because you're going to have ups and downs. I mean, you know, I'm, I think everybody remembers we had a shootout uh, against Oklahoma State last year up there, and everybody's saying this or that. We were probably one snap away from playing in the national championship game. So that one, that one turned out. I mean, you, we're, we're right there on the doorstep of being where we want to be. We got to continue to improve and push through, and you need leaders like Curtis that, and the rest of our guys that understand have a realization of here's the things we got to do better. Here is also the sky's not falling. There's a lot of things we're doing well. We we've got to keep building on that and be ready to play our best ball here at the end. And so that's what we're all pushing towards. Yeah, uh, coach, uh, over 300 yards rushing, 300 yard passing, three straight games. Is that ultimately what you want this offense to look like to have that kind of balance? I mean, I want it to be able to, you know, if that's if that's what you know we're presented defensively, if that's what we you know feel like you know is going to give us the best chance to win and score points. And so, not everybody gives you that all the time, you know. You but you've got to be able to do both. Certainly, you got to have answers for the ways people try to attack you. And uh, we've had you know some good answers here the last few weeks. Jason, yeah, Lincoln. Uh, the fumble Saturday obviously was a big moment in the game, but first fumble I think on defense that you've had this season. What do you guys have to do to to start forcing more takeaways? I mean, I think it's the, the physicality with which you play. I mean, you know, Bolton's hit there was one of the, you know, one of the most violent hits you know that we've had all year. You know, when you play violent, you separate people from the ball, and uh, so you know, there's. It's always kind of the age-old question of turnovers. You know, sometimes they, sometimes you're doing a lot of things right. We've actually been tipping quite a few balls. We've been in position to make some plays. We've been, you know, I, I still think our, you know, our, our big rush of turnovers is coming. I really do because we've been kind of right on the doorstep of a bunch of them here, especially in the last three or four weeks. And uh, so, uh, but you've got to, when you get a chance to make the plays, you got to make them. And then I think physicality, I mean, whether it's ripping the ball away, knocking the ball out like Curtis did, uh, your physicality shows up. And so we're going to have to have more of here uh, as the last few come up. Caleb got his most extensive playing time of the year on Saturday. Talk about that decision and what you hope to get out of Caleb. At, I guess he was playing the will on Saturday. Yeah, just game plan wise, it just made the most sense for us. You know, we wanted to, wanted to play a little bit bigger and uh, you know, felt like it was the you know right time to do it. Some of it's been the progression of Deshaun White, uh, also and, and Brian Mead inside right now. Those guys are you know kind of probably a little more comfortable there. You know, something were to happen to to Curtis or to Kenneth, and uh, and it just like I said, as our guys looked at the plan, they felt like getting Caleb on the field against that group was the best thing to do. And and Caleb did well. He played. He he was. Uh, he graded out one of our our, our, our highest, excuse me, defenders. So, uh, pretty proud to see Caleb kind of make that transition. Went out and played Sam, and played Sam, and you know a couple of months, uh, other than a few practice shots here and there. So for him to be able to go do that and play at a high level, uh, you know, on kind of a week's notice was pretty impressive. Lincoln, you talked about the the offensive line depth and shuffling pieces around. How critical has Drew Samia been? 
to that over the last few years, and obviously he's played a lot of guard, but he played tackle and can do some other things for you. Yeah, he's been one of our most valuable guys. Um, yeah, played, never really was a tackle, but did it because out of necessity early in his career, and then has made the the move to guard. He's, I've been really proud of him. I mean, he is really playing the best ball of his career, and he's, as we all know, he's you know had. You know, he's up there as far as career starts of anybody that's ever played here. Um, but what he's what he's been able to do has been just it's been awesome, especially this year. You know, he's always been intense, focused, physical kid. He's added a lot of control into his game too. And in the past, he would at times get in trouble because he would get out of control, almost over aggressive. Um, and he's really. He's really settled in. I mean, he is just, he's playing at elite level right now. Um, he brings confidence, continuity, attitude. Uh, he, he's just, for a guy that already played a bunch of ball coming into his senior year, you know, some guys kind of level off that point. He's really taken that next step as a senior. So, really, really proud of him. Um, and he's a guy that's been through, we've been through a bunch of wars with. So, he's been a huge contributor here for a long time. Jake. Yeah, Lincoln, uh, was two or three weeks ago, you were asked about um, you know, coaching in the NFL. And I think you gave an honest answer about love coaching at OU, love coaching college football. What specifically do you love about coaching in college football and then uh, specifically here at OU? Um, I, I like the age, you know, the guys that I'm coaching. Um, they're still kind of in that, still kind of call it that, that hot zone where they're still they're still growing, you know, they're, they're kind of learning to become men at this point, but there's still a lot of growth that's got to happen, you know, in these years. And so I enjoy that part of it. And I, I like the X's and O's of the game, certainly, but I do enjoy at this level the, the different hats you have to wear, you know, especially in this role as a head coach, you know, I enjoy getting out and recruiting. I enjoy, you know, talking to these guys even about their academics, about things that are going on in their lives that, that, you know, you don't necessarily have at other levels. You know, it's just, there's just a lot more going on, a lot more growth, a lot more important things that are going to shape the rest of their lives. And uh, it's kind of all yet to be determined for these guys. And so kind of like being a part of that process with them. Um, and I like the, I like the vibe of college ball. You know, I do. I just, I, you know, the, the way it's set up, the rivalries, the, uh, I just think the sport is in such a great place right now. I love being a part of it. Always have. Um, as far as OU, yeah, I mean, they, the place gave me a chance, gave me two chances. I love the fact that, you know, we're invested here. I love the fact that we have things that we need to be very, very successful. Uh, I love the fact that people care about our program. It's been nationally relevant for a long time, uh, that people are invested in it, that former players come back. Uh, that it means how much it means to this community, this state. Um, so, I mean, it's there's not a better job anywhere else. Switzer said that a lot of NFL coaches would rather have your job um, than the one they maybe have uh, at the NFL. Do you kind of feel that way that this is a job, regardless of level, that that's as good as as maybe any out there? No doubt. I mean, it's. Uh, I think you ask anybody, they're going to agree with that. I mean, there's no question. This is to coach football. Any level, anywhere, this is absolutely one of the elite programs out there, regardless of regardless of level, without a doubt. Last thing from, from me, um, you, you kind of see, you know, with, with Baker, the success that 
that he's had and, and the more they sort of tailored their offense to fit what he did here at OU. Do you feel like NFL teams, and, and I know you've met with coaches from that level of bunch, are incorporating more college concepts that the X's and O's have become a little bit more conflated than maybe they ever were in the past? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's – I don't think anybody would argue with that either. I mean, anybody that watches it, there's no doubt it's – the NFL game has certainly trended more towards what you see on Saturdays um, for a lot of different reasons. We can all debate those back and forth, but it's certainly the games look a lot closer than they did five years ago, without a doubt. How much uh, would you estimate that you get to watch NFL on Sundays? Very and little. As a, as a play caller? Are you interested in what those guys are doing? You know, someone who diagrams offense, are you interested in what McVay yeah. does or, or Peterson or Nagy? Or At Tom's. No, there's, there's certain people when I get a chance I do, but not not normally much on Sundays. We're normally, you know, pretty busy with recruits and getting game behind you and getting on to the next one. So occasionally peek at it later in the week when I can. Quick follow then. How, how possible is it to take what the NFL does defensively and apply it your, to your principles here? Oh, it's a broad question. You know, it's uh, – there's always things from people that are playing at a high level that you can that you can look at and take. Um, you know, sometimes it's something broad like how they organize, how they structure. Sometimes it's something very small as far as a small technique or something scheme-wise. But I, I think you can, I think you can learn from anybody. I mean, I think you can go watch you can watch really good high school teams play with really good coaches and learn. We've I mean, I've taken things offensively from from high school coaches without a doubt. I mean, it's. If it's good, I don't think it really matters what level it is. So I think as any coach, you're always trying to learn and trying to find ways to put your guys in position to succeed more. Yeah, Lincoln, uh, we haven't asked you about Kansas. What can you tell us about the Jayhawks? And, yeah, we have a game this week. Yeah, right. yeah. And also on top of that, uh, you've coached against your brother before, but now it's a situation where that staff, David's been, been out. So you got that element of it too. Your brother's thoughts. As, as this Kansas thing winds down for, for Beatty's staff? Uh, yeah, Kansas, uh, going back and looking at them, you know, I think the, the things I would say that stand out, you know, offensively would be the receiver. You know, Sims is, you know, number 11 is, is electric, you know, and this will be, he's just kind of one of those years in the league where everybody's got one or two really, really good receivers, and Kansas is no different. Uh, we've played against this kid for a while, but I think he's phenomenal. And then the young running back, I think, has kind of been a little bit of a difference maker for him, too. Kid's really playing well. Um, very elusive. They're using him a lot in the throw game as well. So, I mean, those are two guys right off the top that you know you're going to have to control. You know, defensively, defensively, they're playing well. I mean, I think. I think, uh, I think they're number one in the league right now, just within league games of points per game allowed. Um, so they're doing a, you know, they're doing a tremendous job. Clint Bowen, their defense coordinator, I've always thought schematically, has been one of the top guys out there. I mean, he puts those guys in position to play. Um, you know, they do a good job of mixing up looks. Um, did a nice job, I thought, uh, against us last year. Probably as good as anybody did, honestly. Um, so I think he's. I think he's really good. I mean, the D tackle wise, I mean, everybody knows without a doubt, it's one of the top, top guys in the uh, in the conference. I know the linebacker Deneen's one of the top tackle guys in the country right now. Uh, safeties, I think, are very impressive kids. Guys that get downhill, very very physical. So I mean, you know, they're they're playing well defensively and have held down a lot of top offenses for a reason. So um, yeah, and as far as my the deal with. With my brother, it's it's never easy in, in a game like this, and then certainly what they're going through there. Um, I don't want to 
certainly put words in his mouth. It's it's part of this business, as we all know. He's a, he's a good young coach, and there's a lot of really good coaches on that staff that uh, regardless of what happens there here at the end of the year, those guys aren't going to have a hard time finding jobs. So that's, a, that's a good staff with a lot of good coaches, David, all of them included. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.